Good morning and welcome to Cultivate Church Online. We're so happy that you're tuning in today. And if this is your very first time with us, we're truly honored that you chose to spend some time with us this morning. I know this is not what a church typically looks like on a Sunday morning, but we have a great experience prepared for us. And this is just a great way for us to remember that God is still good. So get up, turn up the volume, and let's worship together. Hey, and good morning, Cultivate Church. Thank you so much for joining us for Church Online today. I want to say a special welcome to all of you who may be tuned in for the very first time. We want to welcome you as our guest today. We're honored that you would watch uh, Church Online with us today. And I also want to say a special hello and welcome to all of you who are tuning in uh, as newbies at Cultivate Church. Many of you have mentioned to us or emailed and talking about uh, this is the very first time that you've been a part of Cultivate Church over this quarantine season and how much you have enjoyed our online worship experience. And we just want you to know that we're just so honored that you would tune in and be a part of church online with us. I also want to let you know that I'm so excited that we were able to open our doors for family worship last Sunday. So as we are navigating this next phase and this next season, we were able to open the doors to all of our campuses. We had family worship Worship together. We had all of our families come in the auditorium, all of our kids and adults, and we worshiped together, and we had a fantastic Sunday. And I know many of you are still navigating these decisions of when to get back to normal, and many have asked, how did it go? You wanted to know how was the first Sunday of opening up the doors, and of course, we practiced social distancing. We removed some chairs from our auditoriums so that we had a uh, farther seating distance. We separated ourselves everyone was so respectful. Uh, our kids did great. I know many of our parents, you're wondering, oh, I don't know if my kids could manage that. I don't want them to make noise, but we had an incredible time together. Sundays look a little bit different right now, but it was so refreshing to be together in worship. And so I want to encourage you in this season. I know that uh, we're all making our own decisions that is best for our families, and I want you to use wisdom, and I want you to walk in what is best for your family, but I want to encourage you. Don't miss out on being together with the family of God. We say this a lot around here at Cultivate Church that isolation is the enemy's playground. And I do believe that this is a season where the enemy would like to use this time to separate us, to get us out of the habit or get us out of the discipline for gathering together. And you know, God knew that we would be susceptible to that, that we would be prone to separating ourselves. You know, the Bible calls us sheep. It uses the illustration that we are the flock of God and sheep are known to wonder. So there's a shepherd that brings them back together. And so I don't want you to isolate yourself or to get into that habit. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because nothing can take the place of the family of God coming together collectively, being the family of God. So I want to encourage you. Don't walk by fear, walk by faith. I want you to be safe, but I believe that it's a great time for us to come together and let's begin the process of praying together, of worshiping
worshiping God together in his house. So I want to invite you at all of our campuses right now. Our times are 9, 10, 15, and 11, 30. We would love to have you come and worship with us in person in social distance and in health and safety. We have air purifiers at all of our campuses that are purifying all of the property. We are cleaning. We are sanitizing. We are limiting all the things that we would touch and, and feel. So we want you to know it's a safe place for you to come and to be a part. But I want you to know also, I'm glad you're tuned in today for Church Online. We are in week uh, three of a series that we're calling What to Do when you don't know what to do. And I've been so encouraged by this series because it is so timely. As many of us have made that statement many times during this season, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to make this decision or that decision. I don't know how to navigate all of these feelings or these emotions. Do we stay or do we go? What do we do during this time? And so we're searching God's word for directions in our life on many topics that we're navigating. And and all of this heart of the series is coming from Psalms 25 and 4. Your outline is available to download. And it says this, show me the right path, O Lord. And I think that's incredible. I think that's a prayer that you and I should often pray maybe every day before you even leave your bed. Show me the right path, O oh Lord, because there's many different roads. There are many different paths that you and I can take, but there is a right path that the Lord would direct. Point out the road for me to follow. See, our culture would say everything is subjective. Just go wherever and do whatever that feels right for you. But there is an absolute, there is a standard, a gold standard, and that's the standard of God's Word, of His best for our life. And His direction for our life can't be substituted. So I'm encouraging us today, as we, as we go into God's Word and as we navigate these topics, that we just ask the Lord to direct us and to show us. And so as we've talked about the Lord helping us on the right path, what to do when you don't know what to do. We've talked about what to do when you feel like your world is falling apart. We've talked about what to do when you're just ready to quit. And today I've titled your message, What to Do When You Don't Feel Essential. Those are statements and phrases that we have heard much over the past few months, essential and non-essential. We have classified certain organizations, people, businesses during this season of quarantine and the pandemic as essentials and non-essentials. Many of us have had our feelings hurt because we weren't included in the essential lineup. Your business, your organization, your productivity, your contributions weren't considered as an essential asset to make our country and our communities continue to, thr to thrive and to grow. And so I believe personally that we are all essential people. We all contribute to our economy and to our community and to the world that is around us. But as we've been navigating these thoughts of this is essential and this is not essential, sometimes we all classify ourselves with that same thought process even on a day-to-day -day basis. Many of us walk around every single day and you don't feel like an essential you feel like your life is one of those that has been shut down or disregarded. And you're not an essential like maybe Lowe's who is packed all during a quarantine. You would pass a Lowe's and think they're giving things away over there because it's so packed because it was deemed an essential. 
Some of you look at other people that you know in your family or your friends or people in your church or in your place of work, and, and you see their life, and you look at them, and you go, that's, that's an essential. They're necessary. They're important. They're, they're needed. But me, I don't feel essential. I don't feel like I have a place. I don't feel like I have a value. I feel like maybe I've done too much. I've gone too far, and I can never be redeemed as an essential life. And so today, I wanted to see what the Word says to us. What to do when you don't know what to do when you feel like you're not essential. I believe that God's Word today is going to encourage you. It's going to equip you. It's going to realign your thoughts and your emotions to what God's Word says about you. So I want to pray today, and I want you to align your heart to God's Word today and to this message so that God could touch you and show you today that you are and essential. So Father, I love you. What an incredible day as we celebrate your goodness even online together. Father, I pray over our next few moments today, God, as we're in your word, that you would just speak to us and help us and encourage us. God, as we grow in you, in Jesus' name, amen. So throughout today's message, if you've got your outline, I want to talk to you about a series of mirrors that you and I look at our reflection through. Mirrors are very important to all of us. It's safety in your cars. You have side mirrors. You have a rear view mirror that help protect you and show you dangers that are all around you. Uh, Many of us use cameras every single day to capture moments and memories. And those cameras, the technology actually utilizes mirrors in order to capture the picture, the film, or the memory in which you are taking. Most commonly, every one of us, mostly, every day, I think, look in a mirror even from the very first step of the morning. Many of us get out of bed and we begin our morning routine. And for many of you, that is looking in a mirror, maybe even as you brush your teeth, as you comb your hair, as you put on your clothes, you look in the mirror to see the reflection of yourself looking back at you. You judge yourself by the way you look by the way you feel in the presentation that is looking at you in the mirror. And it's so distracting sometimes when you look at yourself and you're discouraged by what you see. Many of you want to run from mirrors. Many of you feel like every mirror that you look at is one of those circus mirrors where you just look funny or you look different in the mirror and you want to avoid the mirror altogether. But there's something that's important to understand about the mirror. The mirror is our self-perception based on our perspective. See, some of you can look in the mirror and you have a perception about what you look like. You may have said something like, this looks awful. I'm having a horrible hair day. And then the person next to you goes, I think your outfit looks great. I think your hair looks awesome. But your perception became your reality because the perspective in which you were seeing yourself through that mirror painted the picture that you felt about yourself. And so today, I want to talk about several mirrors that I believe we are seeing our reflection that is determining the feelings if you think you are an essential or a non-essential. And the very first mirror that I want to talk about today is the mirror of memory. Write that down. The mirror of memory. In this mirror, when you look at yourself, many of you, even though you may be a teenager, you're getting older, you may be a young adult, you may be 
uh, married with children running around. You may have already developed some gray hair, maybe some wrinkles from the maturity of life. Maybe many years have passed since you were a child. Yet when you look in this mirror of memory, all you see is a scarred child from your experiences of childhood, from what's been said to you, what's been done to you, the way you have felt, the way that you have perceived things that people have said, maybe some actions that were taken against you that weren't even in your control. Many of us still struggle with the memories of our past. I know that many of us have memories that many people would feel are insignificant, but for you it was a hurt, it was a scar, it was a deep wound that you carried from even early childhood. My wife can still tell the story of the first time she can remember as a little girl when a group of kids said to her, get away from us, we don't want you here. And even though it may have felt or looked insignificant in that moment, but it was a scar and a wound that she carried through her life. It was a moment that the memory of that, of that rejection from the earliest of childhood has stuck with her. And many of you are carrying some deep wounds and some deep scars from some memories that you've had in your life. Maybe you've had a source of physical pain. Maybe you were physically abused by someone in your family. Maybe a parent didn't take the best care of you. Maybe a relative, a friend of the family, someone that was trusted and, and they didn't take care of you physically or maybe even sexually you've suffered some abuse and nobody even knows that you have faced that. Nobody knows that you have carried that baggage of hurt and of disappointment, that memory of the, the sexual abuse and it's caused some emotional pain. Many of us are walking around every day with smiles on our faces, yet we have emotional pain that we're carrying in our baggage. But the beauty of God and who He is, is that He doesn't want you to see yourself through a mirror of memory. Because the Bible gives us a promise of what God will do for you when you're carrying that baggage of all of those scars and all of those hurts, those deep-rooted seeds of memories in your life. Look at it with me on your outline. Psalm 34 and 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I love this verse. This is one of my absolute favorite verses in Scripture. I love the fact to know that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted. He knows that you're wounded. He knows that you have scars. He knows that there are deep-seated things that have been planted in your life that over time have grown. And because that our perception of what we see ourselves in that reflective mirror of memory, that we're carrying those hurts and they're hard to overcome. So God is close to us. And the Bible says He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Not only is He close to us, but He will rescue us from the hurt and from the pain and from the abuse, from the memories that we're carrying. Psalm 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and He bandages their wounds. Today I want you to know that the pain of our past can hold you in your own personal prison. If you don't overcome the memories, the reflective nature of what you're seeing through that mirror of memory, you'll let the pain of your past be your own personal prison. And God never intended for you to live shackled by the memories of yesterday. 
we know that those hurts are serious and we know that those hurts are real. And we know that there are scars that take a long time to recover. But if you see every time you look in the mirror a reflection of a bad memory, if you're still seeing yourself as one who has been abused, one who has been misused, one who is still hurting as a child, you may be a grown adult, but every time you look in that mirror, you're seeing a child staring back at you, one who is taken advantage of or one who has suffered from the harm of other people. I want you to know today that that mirror does not have to be your reflection. God is good and the, the Lord is close when we are brokenhearted. He binds our wounds and not only does he bring bandages, not only does he apply the ointment that we need, but I love that the Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted. There's healing from the Lord today. And so I want to encourage you today to maybe ask yourself this question. Are some of the feelings of non-essential in my life because of things that are deeply rooted from my past, from hurts, from things people have said, from things people have done, from my own emotional baggage of emotional scarring or sexual abuse or physical abuse, something someone did that was out of my control that has held me in a personal prison all of these years. Don't let yourself continuously see the reflection from a mirror of memory. The second mirror that I want to talk about today is the mirror of misery. The mirror of misery. Uh, every time you look in the mirror, maybe you just see yourself as a failure. You can't overcome the mistakes that you made. There is so much guilt and there is so much regret. There is so much what could have been and what you wish you could do. And if you could rewind the clock, Cher said it, if I could turn back time, maybe I would find a way. But we can't turn back time. We can't go back to yesterday. And so many of us are still deeply rooted in all of these feelings of all of our mistakes, all of the wish we could, and all the turning back time that we dream of. You're looking through a mirror of misery, and that's not God's best for you. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24, says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. If you can, I want you to underline that word godly, the description of who God is talking about in this word. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. There is nothing about your life, there is nothing about mine that God does not know. He knows every mistake that I've ever made. Some of you, because you've been looking through a mirror of misery, you are already so convicted. You want to run and hide from God because you know the mistakes you've made and you know the baggage that you're carrying, the guilt and the shame, and you're saying, if God knows that about me, he could never love me. But listen, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, of people who have given their life to Christ. He directs them and he delights in every detail. He knows. But verse 24 Though they stumble, underline that word, stumble. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. I love this verse of scripture because I love the theme. I love the heart in which it is telling us of a father who would hold us by the hand to keep us from falling when we stumble. Because even the godly, people who are pursuing Christ, even those who are chasing after him, 
they still stumble. The Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning that every one of us, from this platform to this individual that is speaking to you today, I stumble. I have good days and I have bad days. I have days when I go, God, I wish I could just do that again. I wish I could have that conversation again. I wish I could pull those words back into my mouth. I wish I could turn back time and find a way, but I can't. But even though I stumble, God will prevent me from falling. My son just turned four this past Thursday, and I can remember many times, even still today, when we are in maybe a parking lot or somewhere where there's a lot of people, a crowd, and I need to keep him safe. Nowadays, I have to sort of force him to hold my hand. I'll say, Asher, I need you to hold my hand because I need you to stay with me. I need to keep you in this direction in safety. Just as the Lord directs the steps of the godly, sometimes I need to grab my son by the hand and I need to direct his steps. But just like I do sometimes, my son, as he's got my hand, he will be pulling, trying to go the wrong way to do the wrong thing. But as long as he has me by the hand, I can continue to direct his steps. And then there are moments when he is just acting crazy, as a four-year-old can do, and he is stumbling over himself, falling over himself, and everything that's along the way. And as his legs give way, because I have him by the hand, I am able to hold him up and rescue him from falling. And what I want you to know today is that if you're looking through a mirror of misery, of regret in your past, God has you by the hand and he will hold you up. And I know what somebody just said today. God's not holding me by the hand because I'm not walking with the Lord. Maybe you know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but here's what I want you to know. His hand is there for you. The Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he will draw near to you. God is so faithful. And God doesn't want you to look through a mirror of misery in your life. Most people are afraid of future failure because of past mistakes that are making us miserable. We're afraid to step out and do something different. We're afraid of trying again because we're all afraid of failure. Do you know that failure is what holds most people back from doing great things? And it's really not failure of what's to come. It's failure of the very first mistake. Because we all don't get it right the first time. But after you do it the first time and you get your nerves out and you go, Oh man, that wasn't so bad. I'll try that again. Really, you're more afraid of the first step than you are the fear of failure that may follow. But for many of us, we're just afraid of the future because of the past mistakes that we're living in that make us miserable. The devil knows this, and the devil has a process for us that when we feel guilt and we feel shame, when we're looking at that mirror of misery, that's really a reflection that the enemy has presented to you because God would never give you that reflection of shame. The, the devil tries to blame you for everything that has happened. It's all your fault. You'll never get it right. You could, you could have never done it any better. This is just who you are. You're no good. He blames you for everything. And then he shames you because you've done it. He tells you how worthless you are, how big of a mess up that you will always be. And then he tries to maim you. To be maimed means to be seriously wounded beyond repair. To be maimed means that because of the blame and the shame that the enemy is giving you through the mirror of misery, 
You'll never be able to overcome it. You'll never be able to move past it. Failure is not the end. Failure is not final. As a matter of fact, we can learn a lot from the failures that we have in our life. I, I love the story of James Dyson, who created the Dyson vacuum cleaner and other products that they have invented over time. The Dyson vacuum cleaner literally changed everything that you and I would know about vacuum cleaners. I mean, I'm kind of a, a nerd in this area. I, I love the Dyson. I don't own one, but I love the technology that is involved in it. I love that there was something broken and someone found uh, a fix for it that was was innovative and that changed the whole technology behind it. As a matter of fact, James Dyson believed in it so much that he risked everything he had, put all of his money, his whole livelihood, in on the idea of the invention of the Dyson vacuum cleaner. After over 5,000 failures, 5,000 different prototypes that he tried to build, he finally found one success. And James Dyson now spends a lot of time talking to people about failure. He doesn't talk about success because in his words, he says we learn more from failure than we learn from success. And so as his failures continued one lesson to another, eventually he changed technology. And today he's worth over $6 billion because of his ability not to quit and not to walk in fear over potential failure. You can learn from failure. Failure can motivate us and failure can build us. Today, embrace your yesterday and let it propel you to your tomorrow. Be careful at looking in the mirror of misery. The third mirror that I want to talk to you about is the mirror of mystery. The mirror of mystery. In this mirror, because of all of your uh, memories that you've been looking at, that mirror of memories and that mirror of mistakes, then you get this insecurity in your life because you don't feel essential. You don't feel like you matter. And so now it's the mirror of mystery of the unknown, of, of the trust of people and the trust of organizations and maybe the trust of God or the trust of God's people and His church and but this is what the Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 25. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. See, what others have done and what you have done make you worry about what others will do. But I'm encouraging you today, don't be paralyzed by the potential of people. Many of us have let those who have hurt us in the past, our own mistakes, prevent us from moving forward in the future. And every day when you wake up and you look in that mirror and you don't feel like an essential, you feel like it's a mirror of mystery, the unknown of making another step, trying again, believing in people, trusting people, trusting God again, and you're paralyzed at the potential of people in your life. Don't punish the one in front of you for the mistakes made by the ones that are behind you. The mirror of mystery will rob you from many different things in your life. It'll cause you to push people away. It'll cause you to sink into isolation. That fear will cause you to disengage from people, disregard people, distrust people, and despise people. Could you say today that because of the experiences and the reflections that have been looking at you from these mirrors, are you finding yourself disengaging, disregarding, and distrusting and despising people 
who are in your life. People who could love you, people who could help you, people who would honor you, and people who would encourage you and equip you to be better. And to realize that the non-essential feeling that you have is a lie from the enemy because you are an essential to God. Today I'm asking you, are you looking in these mirrors of memory, the mirror of misery, and the mirror of mystery? Because you've let all of the surrounding situations and circumstances rob you of your self-worth. Today, the last mirror I want to give you is the one that my prayer would be for every person to see through today. Where I want you to gain your reflection is through the mirror of mercy. The mirror of mercy. The Bible teaches us a lesson in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. And this is what it says. It says, don't just listen to God's word. Today, don't just hear this. You must do what it says. Don't just hear the word. Do the word. Live the word. Embrace the word. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in what? In a mirror. It's like looking at your reflection in a mirror. Verse 24, you see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, underline carefully, that law sets you free. And if you do, underline do, action, if you do what it says and don't forget, underline that, don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. In this mirror, the mirror of mercy, we see ourselves exactly the way God sees us. We are forgiven, we are healed, we are called, we are covered, and we are loved because God is a God of mercy Jesus gave his life for you. You were created in the image of God. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you and for me so we wouldn't be separated from him. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because you are essential. The word is his word to you and for you. You need to look at it Listen to it and lean into it. The Word of God is His Word for you. How do we look at it carefully? We embrace God's Word and what it says. It's a love letter written to you. It's a reminder for you about how essential that you are. In the mirror of mercy, we are a reflection of His image. And that mirror that the Bible says that we need to lean into, that the Word gives us. The reflection and the picture that it paints of us, it's one of value. It is one of being essential because we are made in the likeness and the image of God. My prayer for you today is that when you look in that mirror and you see the reflection of yourself, that the perspective that you have and the perception that you receive would be from God. Not one of memories from yesterday. Not one of misery from your mistakes. And I don't want you to see in that mirror of mystery, of fear, of the unknown, and trying again, and getting your life together, or trusting God, or trusting people. Today, I want you to see in the mirror of mercy. Because the Bible is so clear that if you just take God's word, everything it says about you, and you would embrace it, and you would live it, 
It'll change your life. Today, don't walk in the trap or the thoughts of the enemy. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. He knew the end from the beginning. The Bible says he loves us so much that he knows every hair that is numbered on our head. In case you don't have hair, he knows how many you've lost. God is invested in every step of our life. Today, change the mirror. If you don't like the reflection from the mirror that you see, change it. Get rid of it. Leave those behind. Take the mirror of mercy because God is here for you to heal your heart. I want you to know today, you matter. Circumstances don't matter. Yesterday doesn't matter. What's going to happen tomorrow doesn't matter. You are essential because God loves you and because he created you just the way you are. All of our weaknesses, God can strengthen. All of our past hurts and mistakes, God can redeem it. All of those things that people caused us to feel non-essential, the words spoken, the actions taken against us, God can heal every single wound because the mirror of mercy is available to see yourself the way God sees you. I want to pray for you today. Would you bow your head where you are and just maybe in a moment of reverence, the best you can in the atmosphere that you're in, I want to pray two things over you. First of all, today, if you're watching and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And if you make that decision today, I want to hear from you. There's a link in the comment section that you can fill out a next steps just to tell us about your decision today. And I would love to know that decision that you make so that we can pray for you. And then secondly, I want to pray for all of us that you're dealing with the memories of yesterday, the hurts of yesterday, and the fear for tomorrow. And my prayer for you today that you would walk away from this moment seeing in the mirror of mercy that God has extended to us. So Father, today, I thank you for my friends who are watching online today. Wherever they are, whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing, Father, right now, I would just pray that you would be there in this moment. And if there's one of us that does not have a personal relationship with you, Jesus, my prayer is that today we would surrender our life to you. We have all messed up. We have all gotten it wrong. We've all fallen short. But Jesus, your forgiveness is available. Because you went to the cross, we have an opportunity at life with you. So right now, we ask for that forgiveness. We receive your love today. We put you first in our life. And we commit to love you and to live for you. And to learn how to please you, serving you from this day forward. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray for all of my friends who are facing deep wounds in their life. I pray for healing from every word spoken over them, every action taken against them. For every person that is walking in shame and guilt because of their yesterday, I pray redemption over them today. Every person that is afraid for tomorrow in that mirror of mystery, God, I pray that you would just calm the fears of their life and let them know that you are in control. Father, that every person today could receive a reflection from the mirror of mercy. You love us. You have created us. You've given everything for us. And so today we receive that healing, that hope, and that help that comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, thank you for tuning in today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please send us an email or follow the link in the comments section below. And if you'd like to continue worship through giving, this is for those of us that call Cultivate Church home. There's three easy ways to give right there on your screen. Your generosity is going an incredible distance in serving our cities and those all around the world. Thank you for being a generous church. And I do want to remind you, social distancing is not relational distancing. Continue to reach out to people that you know, your friends and family. Give them a phone call, a video chat. Join a small group online this week. We can't wait to meet together again. But until then, we'll see you online this week.